0: This is Fooditur Radio. Jonathan Gold is a Pulitzer Prize winning food critic, originally at the LA Weekly, now at the Los Angeles Times, and, frankly, one of my heroes. He's also an unlikely movie star, by way of a new documentary about him and his exploration of Los Angeles, City of Gold, directed by Laura Gabbert. They were both in Chicago last weekend for the opening of City of Cold, and I got to interview them in a gleamingly white and hip suite at the public hotel. This was the kind of publicity tour where the subjects get a new person interviewing them every 20 minutes, so I was determined not to ask what everybody else was asking. No questions about anonymity, celebrity chefdom, whether Deep Dish is really pizza, or any of that. For this more informal audio version, I left in some of the chit-chat and interplay of our meeting that got tidied up and out for publication, beginning with introducing my 14-year-old son, Liam, who was tagging along with me that day.
1: Laura, this Hi. is my Hello. Uh, Hello. I you might
2: have
0: met last yes, so you
2: about briefly last night. How are you? Yeah, good. good.
0: <laughs> Let's see, let me grab a... Uh, Would you like a... You you guys are posed well next to the City of London posters. Do you want us to
2: stand up? No, it's good. Actually, I I like that. The casual...
1: Yeah, there's nothing better than posing next to my own (laughs) butt. Yeah. What's
2: your name? Oh, Leo. Hi, Liam.
0: Laura. So he went to the film, and he didn't know who you were until... He heard your voice and I said, "Oh, it's the guy who's on Good Food." Because we listen to that in the
1: car oh, sometimes. Oh, that's so cool. So. <clears throat> I actually get that in the farmers market sometimes. It comes people on. People recognize it, that. It comes on at about the yeah, same time as the um, as the Pasadena farmers market, and I go in and I, you know, I like talk to a farmer, and people like flip because they've heard me on the radio <laughs> five minutes earlier. <laughs> right, I know. I know that voice. But my, my my friend Pete is in like the first first episode of Mind of a Chef for about five minutes like watching like Chang make him overeat ramen <laughs> and he says like everybody Still. people come up to him in airports <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: alright shall we yeah sure okay so I was thinking after the film you know Chicago has very defined ethnic neighborhoods. Right. The line about, Las, or about California is yeah. nobody's actually from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, to me, it seemed like kind of the film was about, um, you know, people don't know L.A. till somebody tells them about it. And mm-hmm. I thought there's it was interesting that the two things in the film, are you and hip-hop, seem to be sort of the news of L.A. told to its own people. I don't know. Is that... That seemed like a reasonable interpretation. I
2: don't
0: know. What do you think? Uh, I would never deign to put myself in the same like stratum as <laughs> as, as my
1: as my homeboy Dre. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I mean the the thing about hip hop is that for the first time. Um, so, you know, the African American community was able to hear about itself in sort of an unmediated fashion, right? Mm-hmm. That they were able to, you know, to talk about politics. They were able to talk about you know, the, the drug selling thing. They were able to talk about you know, the cute girl around the corner. They were able to talk about the police without anybody coming in and saying, you can't do that. Um, and that's sort of like unmediated, the the expression of unmediated experience is, was something that was really empowering. I mean, in a way that it, it's almost breathtaking to think about because it seemed so simple at the time, but it, it meant so much. And food writing's, I mean, the kind of stuff I do isn't that, I mean... Far from being unmediated, I am like the mediator,
0: right? But Absolutely. it's but <clears throat> it's still parts of the city that haven't been heard from.
1: Yeah, no, the, I mean, there in the nineties, there used to be this joke in the newsroom that if, that you know there were there were parts of LA that were only written about. Uh, you know, if there was a ma- if there was a mass slang or if I found a really good place to <laughs> deep <laughs> cocktails. <laughs>
0: So you won't compare yourself to hip-hop, but yes, to to mass murder. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, that's an interesting thing, because I haven't been out to LA in a while, but the last time I did, I, you know, of course, like, researched everywhere to go, and a big part of it for me was was going over to the San Gabriel Valley and eating a lot of Mm -hmm. Chinese food, and I don't know, do people do that, or are they afraid to cross that barrier? No, I think People they do, the, do do that. And, and if they don't
1: do it, they know they should be. Okay. Which is sometimes the same. I don't know. I mean, I did this... I did this uh, long cover story on Chicago food for travel and leisure like in the 90s. And I went to 150 restaurants. I came here a bunch. My family's from here. Um, and like part of it was like Cicero, right? Eating like freaking Lithuanian food in Cicero. <laughs> it wasn't something I'd ever read about anywhere. I'm not sure anybody does it. But there were so many places and some of the stuff was good and some of it was inedible in a way that nothing had ever been inedible before. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 there was and but after eating it like, you know, half a dozen or eight of these places, did I have a feeling that I knew more about Sh- Lithuania than I did? No, but I think I may have known a little bit more about Chicago. Does
0: that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, actually, one of my films was about healthy eating, the mm-hmm. one on Halstead, Lithuanian place on Halstead, yeah. as it was closing the last Lithuanian restaurant in the city boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it is. You're sort of tracking immigration Ooh. patterns, and so much of it. The yeah. film talks about that. I, I thought you had that very effective device of calling out the neighborhoods as
2: mm. on the maps. Maybe. Yeah, on the yeah. maps,
0: yeah. Um, because that is really what it's about. It's you know, it's the mysterious area, the independent country of uh, you know Ecuador and Los Angeles yeah. or something. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, yeah. It was well, it was. We struggled with how do you show kind of the vastness and, and, you know, even when people live there, they don't really understand where these different neighborhoods are, you know, <coughs> they don't know where Artesia is, they don't know, you know, it's like, and so, it was, um, it was, I also wanted to show how there are these little, you know, like as Jonathan says, these little self-contained communities, you know, so where you like zoom in and you see that, you know, little Ethiopia is basically a block. You right. Know? <laughs> it's,
1: and, and and some of them are huge. And self- some of them are huge, huge sure, huge sure. Self- yeah. I mean, the, the San Gabriel yeah. Valley, you can drive. 20 miles, probably, without getting out of sight of a sign
0: in Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I thought. It's like every block is bigger than Chicago's Chinatown. It has yeah. more restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, sh- sh- sh-
1: uh, sh- you know, they just um, opened a uh, a branch of Lao Sichuan in Glendale.
0: Oh, in really? Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: I haven't been there yet. It'd be interesting to see if Chicago Chinese, how Chicago Chinese food might translate?
0: Yeah, I always wonder that. I mean, because he had at one point Sichuan and Hunan yeah. and Shanghai, and there are a lot of the same dishes at all of them. And yeah. I just, yeah. I just don't know yeah. how does that reflect anything really in China? Um, yeah, I mean that's, and, and actually that was one of my questions about. I mean, the, just that Chinese Wonderland mm-hmm. and, uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. I mean, do you feel like you've seen a whole different kind of Chinese food come in there. <clears throat> I've seen dozen different kinds
1: of Chinese food come in there. I mean, it's, I mean, the, I mean, when I started writing about it, it was mostly a uh, Hong Kong immigration. There was so there was, the, there was a lot of that big sort of seafood palaces and some like little grungy Taiwanese, things and the Taiwanese would open like Sichuan restaurants or, and then there was the big wave of immigration from the mainland so suddenly you know there were you know started out just Dongbei, and then it started to be like specific cities in, in uh, Shandong right so there's a Qingdao style place there's a Dalian style place there's um, and then I still and, and then there's so much immigration from the north parts of China that um, I've got to say I mean you know as, as is usual with it there could be you know it's just there are cities of eight million people that you could not point out on a map and you probably haven't heard of yeah <laughs> and really interesting like noodle traditions I mean some of it is so close to Korean food that it might as well be Korean uh, there are parts from Western China that almost crossover to, like, you know, Afghan and Persian.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I've seen, that you, you get something that could just as easily be from an Uzbek restaurant or right. something in some of those places. Um, now, getting back to the film a little yeah. bit, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I kind of do, like, what you do, and yeah. I do not consider it visually interesting, particularly. Was that daunting for you, thinking about how do I... You know, how do I not make this look like Dr. Shabago Omar Sharif, sweating over <laughs> a poem?
2: Yeah. No, there's a certain point. It sounds so like people said, well, why did you want to make a film about a writer? Because it's so hard to make a film about a writer. And, like, literally halfway into the film, I was like, oh, my God, I'm making a film about a writer. <laughs> like, okay. You know, this is not easy to do. But, um, you know, we were really, I think we just let Jonathan's writing guide us in telling the story and trying to figure out how to not illustrate it, but sort of have the have the cinematography sort of support it and kind of expand on what he's writing about and really kind of give you more of a sense of the, the feeling of being in the city and driving through the city. Um, so, you know, shots of food, yes, but not perfectly lit shots of food. You know, yeah. experiencing it the way you really experience when you sit down in a restaurant and someone pops down a bowl of noodles in front of you.
0: <coughs> um Yes, I admired that there was never a row of scallops with the front one in perfect focus, yes. rack focus. and the rack focus yeah, toward yeah, the back. Yeah,
2: thank you. I appreciate you I, noticing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I love Jiro Dream of Sushi, but there's that, there's that point where there's got to be 140 repetitions of that one shot of the, uh, the net that, like, relaxing gently into the place. The yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, you know, honestly, I, I saw that documentary about Noma, and... Yeah. Without the father son issues that Jiro has, it's a lot less interesting. Just seeing pretty food for yeah, an Oh yeah,
2: Jiro works because it's a father son <laughs> story. That's really yeah. why it
0: works. R- Rene really hates that one.
1: There's another one coming out that he likes. He oh, likes better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, he, he,
1: he, he, I mean, he totally dissociated himself from <laughs> it, him, which is weird, right? It's like the good nomadoc or the bad nomadoc. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. I. Uh, I, I um, is
1: that someone who
0: to
2: at the door?
0: So one uh, you know one thing oh, oh lunch. Thank you, <laughs> of course.
2: Can
0: you see? Um, yeah how oh, perfect that lunch should arrive the in the midst of this it's interview. Enjoy. Yeah, this isn't
1: I, I don't imagine it's gonna be great lunch. Though <laughs> so, um, the, the the mic my grandmother had the flowers concession in this hotel for oh, like really? almost 50 years. That's not cool. That's um, nobody here even knows where it was. I mean, when it was the Ambassador East. Yeah. A- and that, you know, sometimes she would, you know, in her early 20s, she'd take like dates to the pump room and like every single waiter would know her and the guys who were dating her were just like, she's out of my league. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, you know, okay, so. One thing I that I've been thinking about, about how food has evolved in recent years. I mean, I felt like when I started doing this, say, 10 or 15 years yeah. ago, there was a real distinction between fine food and ethnic food. And I feel that's done nothing but blur since then. And I don't know if that's kind of some of it farm to table, some of it's chefs saying it's okay if I make the Asian food I like. What you, have you <clears throat> seen that? Yeah,
1: I mean... First, I, I hate to be, like, the PC guy, but I, I hate the term ethnic because sure. it implies an otherness. Do but, you have a
0: better one? Because <laughs> I don't. <clears throat> no, no. I mean,
1: I, I, I talk about food and cultures. I'll sometimes talk about traditional food. I mean, but when I'm talking about traditional food, I can be talking about, like, farmer food from Iowa, too, which is, yeah, which is in a way, like, farmer food from El Salvador. <laughs> it has more to do with, and it does sort of, like, food with... Um, Food with the kind of ambition that you would find at like Blackbird or something, um, although so much of that like is going back to the the traditional food and there's always this culture fuck that I find really yeah. constantly <laughs> entertaining, but yeah, it's strange. I was just thinking about that, right? It's in the um, you know in the in the in the nineties and maybe. Um, In even the 80s, there were, like, restaurants that considered themselves fusion places, right? And they would have a Thai noodle dish on the menu. Um, But they wouldn't have gone to the Godhead Thai restaurant that was six miles from the restaurant because they didn't think they had to. Um, That, you know, one of the best restaurants in town sort of had lots of references to street food around the world. But you could do something like a Thai sausage salad or uh, or a puna pancake without thinking that. But <clears throat> but it became really difficult because now so many of the people, you're actually getting people from southern India and you're actually getting people who who are almost by coastal LA, Thailand, and they know that food. Um, that if you're a chef cooking... In Los Angeles, you know you have to go to the San Gabriel Valley and try not just, like, the basic Chinese stuff, but to dive a little bit. You, you know what's available. You know the fabulous array of ingredients. So there's that kind of crossover. I mean, the daughter of the chef at what's probably the best Korean restaurant in town is now the chef at Osteria Mozza, which is one of the best Italian restaurants. Um But in in, in L.A., sort of the differences have been blown up. I mean, there's that place, like Gorilla Tacos at the beginning of the movie, who get, who, you know, he worked with Ducasse, and he came back here and cooked at some of the best restaurants in California. And he's getting the same produce from the same farmers, and he's getting a better grade of meat than even the best restaurants are because the guys at the good pig ramps love him. And he's, and they love him at the fish market, so he... He's getting, like, a better grade of uni than anybody else is. And yet, he's putting on a taco and charging $6 charge. for it as opposed to putting on a $150 tasting menu. And it's like, how can you reasonably say that, you know, this just because it's being sold out of a truck means one thing and because you're eating on a white tablecloth means another? You yeah. can't. It's
0: it's erased. All right, so one, one last question. Sure. Um, so you're coming to Chicago a fair amount. I understand that your daughter goes to the University of Chicago. Right. Uh, what are your south side places? Where do you go eat on the south side? Oh, God, I'm so freaking boring, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> I spend the rest
1: of my, uh, You know, I, I really love Calumet fisheries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a good place. Uh, I, I try to get to Lem's. I mean, they're, I still think it's the best Chicago barbecue. It may, it may have evolved. Uh, Leon's is certainly easier to get to now. Yeah. Uh, sh- I don't necessarily love A10, but I go to <laughs> A10. <laughs> uh, that, that place we went to last night was fantastic. Yeah, that, that I mean, was like, the currency exchange. Yeah, yeah. currency exchange. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my, my daughter suggested it. She said that that's where we had to That was a great choice, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so have you been to Area Zaragoza? No. All right. Do but, I need to? Yes, you need to. Okay, I will then. Um, and the other one I'd suggest these days for barbecue is go to Honey One Barbecue. Honey One? Thank you folks. Yes.
2: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Produced by Michael Gebbert for Food Editor Radio. Music by Kevin MacLeod. Fooderdirt.com.